Oh, are you Muslim? Like say Alhamdulillah. So does that mean you're Islamic? You must memorize the Quran. Wait, so you don't drink? Make sure you wake up for Fajr. Are you going to marry your cousin? Don't say that. That's haram. Not even water. Tighten your hijab. What about pepperoni? You sure it's not? What happens if he sees your ankle? It's kind of like we're stuck between two worlds. Welcome, my friends, to Muslim in the Middle. My name is Yaz, and this podcast is all about what it means to live an Islamic life in the West, the joys, the struggles, and everything in between. Now, it is a pleasure to have you join us today, so let's dive right in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and what's up guys welcome to episode 8 of Muslim in the Middle I hope you guys are doing well thanks again for tuning in I really appreciate it uh, and again I hope you're finding some value from the show um, as always guys a couple of reminders the first is info at muslimintemiddle.com email me with all your stories your experiences it could be anything right stories of joy triumph stories of struggles and challenges Funny stories, absurd stories, whatever you like, anything related to your experience as a Muslim in a predominantly Western country. You know, I'm sure that if the experience has been important to you or it's taught you a lot, it may also be uh, beneficial to others listening in as well. So write in, share your stories and help us build a community of uh, like-minded people here. And um, of course, if you want to keep yourself anonymous, feel free. But if you do want to share your name and your social media handles, uh, you can do that too. It's totally up to you. And a second reminder, just before we begin, is to say that if you are enjoying the show so far, if you're liking the content and you want to see more, please let us know with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this uh, from. Um, help us to get to the uh, the new and noteworthy section so that you know more people can find the show and ultimately find benefit from what we're discussing here. So that's pretty much it. So let's get stuck into it. So today's episode is a continuation of last week's episode, which was all about the value of manhood. So Um, If you haven't listened to that last episode, uh, I encourage you to go listen to that now. I basically talk more generally about how, what it means uh, to be a man um, and, um, you know, how that has become sort of a little warped nowadays. I also issue frequent disclaimers to protect myself from the trolls. (laughs) Um, I don't want to upset anyone, man, especially this kind of topic. It's such a sensitive one. Uh, But anyway, so today's episode is an extension of that, right? So last week... Uh, was mostly about how our priorities have sort of shifted as as men and how I myself have found that experience uh, growing up into the man that I am today. And, um, and today's episode will pivot slightly and I'll be discussing the qualities of a quote-unquote real man as dictated by Islam, as noted in the Quran. Um, I think this could be a really great episode, particularly for the younger, younger male audience uh, listening. You know, it's a, it could sort of act as a reminder uh, on those sorts of qualities and hopefully... Um, help them, you know, help guide them back to a better path, a path that is more pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's get into it. Now, quality number one, uh, the hearts of men are attached to the mosques and they love to purify themselves. Right now in this episode, I actually want to reference certain ayahs and surahs from the Quran in support of these points. So in this case, as I said, the hearts of men are attached to the mosques and they love to purify themselves. Now, in Surah Al-Tawbah, which is the ninth surah in the Quran, uh, ayah number 108, I believe, Allah says, and, and this is an a, a approximate uh, translation, of course, um, a place of worship which was founded upon duty to Allah from the first day 
is more worthy than thou should stand to pray therein, wherein are men who love to purify themselves. Allah loves the purifiers. Now, I'm aware the Shakespearean English can make things a little bit difficult to understand, so uh, more colloquially speaking, this means that um, a mosque founded on righteousness from the first day is more worthy for you to stand in. Within it are men who love to purify themselves, and Allah loves those who purify themselves. So the Quran says that in the mosque there are you know, men who love to purify themselves. So essentially they come to the mosque while applying um, ablution, ablution in this case meaning either ghusl or wudu, you know, and effectively um, that is why they've received this reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, as Allah loves those who purify themselves, right? So so that right there, that is the first attribute of those great men who have been granted the honor of being described as men in the Quran. Real men are those who are attached to the mosques. They love to purify themselves, subhanAllah. Now, before I move on to the next point, I just want to elaborate on this a little bit. Now, I don't go to the mosque often, truthfully speaking. I don't. Now, there's a few reasons for that, none of which are good enough, <laughs> mind you. Um, but anyway, look, look the, uh, the, the fact is... I don't know, like I sort of feel, I often feel a little bit out of place. I don't really know why. Um, I feel at peace when I'm there. Um, I feel very calm. For some reason, I'm very aware of my surroundings. And when I pray, I often lose track of my actual prayer because I'm not uh, present uh, within my salah. Um, but my mind is thinking about those uh, people around me at the time. You know, if I'm blocking anybody's path, if there's a congregational prayer, like a jama'ah prayer that uh, at the front of the hall that maybe I should have joined instead of praying on my own, a lot of things like that. And that sort of sort of distracts me from my actual salah. Now, this is a very silly reason. And, and frankly, I'm um, yeah, uh, quite, quite ashamed. Uh, but in the interest of transparency, my local masjid, it's, it's, it's just a community hall that they rent out on, on Jumar prayer on, on Fridays for the hot, you know. Uh, but because I don't often go, I stick out like a sore thumb and I feel like it's clear to the rest of the group that I'm not a regular visitor of this particular masjid um, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I don't know if that makes sense. I know it's a very silly reason. And if I, um, and if I want to stop feeling like an outsider, the best solution is for me to just go frequently and become a regular, obviously, right? Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I need to work on this for sure. Um, one of my dreams is, you know, I could actually see myself living near a mosque, like within walking distance. And if I manage to have a job that allows me to continue working from home, you know, to be able to visit the mosque every day for every prayer of the day, or at least Fajr and, and, and Maghrib maybe. Um, now I say that's the dream, but I, I feel like my actions don't properly reflect that, right? I talk a lot and yet I don't really back it up. So um, that's definitely something I should pay more attention to. <clears throat> And another note on this point uh, regarding uh, wudu, I usually perform wudu at least like three times a day. Um, for starters, I, I drink a lot, lot of coffee in the morning <laughs> uh, for work. So by the time the hot comes, I've already broken it. I need to go do it again. And usually the same for maybe Maghreb and Isha. Um, but sometimes I rush, you know, and, and to be fair, I think we're all guilty of this to a degree. Like, I feel like I have, uh, you know, pretty good form most of them of the time in my wudu, but I sometimes worry that I'm not clean, cleaning properly around my toes uh, you know, like my, I get my big toe most of the time, <laughs> but I, I feel like I neglect the others uh, for sure. And I worry about this man, you know, like I hope that there haven't been too many prayers that I've, that have been invalidated because of, of poor form during my will do it, you know? So anyway, that's just something to think about. Um, so yeah, my advice for the guys listening and, and girls, if it's applicable, uh, you know, go to the mosque as often as you can. Even being in the mosque uh, brings you peace and calmness, you know? So do that. And of course, play Pay close attention to your wudu and make sure you get every toe. Don't be a slacker like me. <laughs> um, may Allah accept all your efforts, uh, inshallah. Now, okay, equality number two. Real men constantly remember Allah and establish the prayer. 
Okay, real men constantly remember Allah and establish the prayer. So in Surah An-Nur, the 24th Surah of the Quran, Allah says, and I'll elaborate on this further in a moment, uh, but Allah says, this lamp is found in houses which Allah hath allowed to be exalted and that his name shall be remembered therein. Therein do offer praise to him at morn and evening, men whom neither merchandise nor sale distract from remembrance of Allah and constancy in prayer and paying to the poor their due, who fear a day when hearts and eyeballs will be overturned. So essentially those who are in the houses of Allah or what we call you know, mosques and masjids are real men, right? And they are not in any way distracted by this world, by the dunya and its adornments, its attractions, its marketplaces. They're not distracted by business dealings, by money matters. When it comes to remembering their creator and their sustainer, this remembrance of, of Allah has their full attention and nothing less. Right? So it's these men who know that what, it, what is with Allah is, is better for them than what they themselves possess. Because what they have is transient, right? It's fleeting, it's temporary. But that which, which is with Allah is eternal, it's everlasting. Right? Real men are those who give priority to obeying Allah and doing what He wants and what pleases Him over doing what they want and what pleases them. Right? They're selfless. Their actions, uh, the actions they take in their life are typically in service of Allah and nobody else. Right? And the last part of that description, the last ayah that I just read, um, that these men fear a day when hearts and eyeballs will be overturned. This is obviously re- referring to the day of resurrection, right? When people's hearts and eyes will be overturned because of the sheer intensity of the fear and terror of that day. These men are God-fearing men. You know, they fear Allah, and when it comes to remembrance of Allah, they don't. They do not allow anything related to worldly matters to distract them. They are in full service to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I mean, this is really powerful, man. Like, I'm sure any of any number of you listening, if you're anything like me, when you're, whenever you're in a prayer. How many times does your mind wander off and you think about work, right, or your career or money-related matters or, or whatever, you know? Um, or another example from myself, you know, if I'm under the pump at work and, and Luhot has come, you know, maybe like, maybe Luhot has sounded like an hour ago and, um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, five minutes, I'll get up, I'll, I'll do my will do and then I'll pray. Just five minutes. And that five minutes turns into 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20. And before you know what, Asad is around the corner and I'm up and I'm scrambling to get my prayer in. Right? And I've been guilty of that way too many times, man. And I'm sure that some of you guys have been too, right? And is that really the way that Allah wants to, us to perform our salah? Like as a second priority, you know, work comes first? That's not right. And if, if I'm honest, that's still how it is with me sometimes. And uh, I'll do my best to pray as, as, as soon as the time comes, but I sometimes get distracted or I convince myself that this thing that I'm dealing with at work needs to get done now and not, you know, 15 minutes from now after I've prayed or, or whatever. It's bad, man. Um... So yeah, remember, real men constantly remember Allah and establish the prayer. Now, quality number three, they stick to the divine path, right? Real men stick to the divine path. Now, in Surah Al-Azab, the 33rd Surah of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Of the believers are men who are true to that which they covenanted with Allah. Some of them have paid their vow by death in battle, and some of them still are waiting and they have not altered in the least. Now, I believe this ayah is referring to the companions of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and how they never changed their covenant with Allah. What I mean by that is that they were never disloyal, they never committed treachery, they never intentionally deviated from the path, but instead they persisted in what they had promised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they did not break their vow. And alhamdulillah, man, that, that, that is how Islam reached us, right, as intact and pure as it always was. Now, unfortunately, these days, that kind of strict and unwavering adherence and sticking to the divine path, path, 
is, um, I mean, I, I want to say this, you know, again, I should probably just speak for myself, but I feel like now it's, it's lost by many Muslims. You know, none of us are perfect, right? But I think if we all have, I think we all have still massive room for improvement, right? Um, again, like I, I should probably speak for myself here. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is so much that I know I can do better. And I was thinking about this the other day and it kind of it sounds kind of strange, but I genuinely think that this is a good idea and um, you can try it out if you're keen on it. Get, get a pe- piece of paper out and a pen and write a list of every habit, every quality, every action that you want to improve on or establish or have in your life to make you a better Muslim. And don't type it, right? Write it out with a pen and paper. And reason being is there's some sort of magical or scientific quality that your brain connects with the act of actually writing. Um, that typing just doesn't really do for you, but maybe maybe that's just me. Anyway, so write it out and look, some people, you know, some people say you should first eradicate your, your sins and your bad habits before focusing on building good new ones. Uh, but I disagree. I mean, if, I think if you're anything like me, you're motivated by positivity, uh, not negativity. So if I establish a good habit, uh, like, say, always attending Jumu'ah prayer on Fridays, um, regardless of work, weather, whatever, and I stick to it and actually achieve that goal, I find that progress motivates me to do other things, like cut out bad habits like cursing or whatever, you know. Um, and I don't know, that's just me. Like, I, I need a boost of motivation to come from something good in my life and not just trying to get rid of something bad if that makes sense. But yeah, each to their own. So I still think that, you know, writing out a list can be super helpful. So give that a shot. Um, I think that could be, uh, that could be really helpful. So, okay. So that's number three, real men stick to the divine path. Quality number four, real men support and defend Allah's messengers. Now, one of the main characteristics and qualities of true and real men, as is mentioned in the Quran, is that they constantly support back and defend the messages of uh, messengers of Allah uh, and those who call upon people to sincerely worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while at the same time expecting no worldly reward or any other materialistic advantage from anyone, not even from the messages themselves. Right? Does that make sense? So in Surah, uh, Surah Yasin, uh, 36th Surah of the Quran, Ayahs 20 and 21, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And there came from the uttermost part of the city a man running. He cried, Oh my people, follow those who have been sent. Follow those who ask of you no fee and who are rightly guided. Okay, so according to Ibn Ishaq, um, I think that's how you say it, he said that uh, the people of this city resolved to kill their messengers. Then a man came running to them from the farthest part of town, you know, to, to help them against his people. They said his name was Habib and he used to work with ropes. He was a sickly man who suffered from leprosy and he was very charitable, giving half of his earnings in charity and his fitra, uh, natural you know, inclination, was sound. Now, hear this, and I apologize in advance, you know, but this is quite uh, graphic imagery uh, evoked by these words. His reward for advocating these messengers was that all his people beat him until his intestines came out of his back passage. It's very graphic. Okay? SubhanAllah, man, that, that imagery I'm getting just from those words alone far out. Um, however, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, enter paradise. So he entered it with all its bountiful provision. Allah had taken away from him all the sickness, all the grief and exhaustion of this world. MashaAllah, man, that's beautiful. Now, I implore you. Any, I implore any one of you listening to this podcast right now to name anyone you know on this planet Earth right now who would defend Islam to that degree. Dude, my, my non-Muslim friends, you know, tries to uh, try to debate an Islamic belief of mine, and I cave. I can just, I just say never mind because I don't want to deal with it. Astaghfirullah. Like, imagine that kind of dedication, that defense of Islam. Mashallah, man, that's amazing. Like, 
So yeah, the, the idea here is that a real man should serve as an aid to the messengers of Allah who were sent to guide human beings to the straight path without asking them for any payment or reward. Basically, a real man is demanded to serve as an aid to the messengers and not to become their adversary, not to become their enemy, right? Instead, he should call upon people to accept the messengers and what they call for and not to become an obstacle in the way of da'wah. Now, like I said, this sort of ded- dedication and defense of Islam, it's very admirable. I find preaching to non-Muslims is an extremely difficult task. Like, this is an area that I, you know, it's very indicative, I find, of my insecurity of being, I guess you could say, whitewashed, quote-unquote, um, a whitewashed Muslim. Like, I, I, the, I think the fact that I'm uncomfortable with that kind of conversation with one of my non-Muslim friends, it says a lot about my conviction in Islam. Alhamdulillah, I mean, I'm obviously very happy and blessed to be a Muslim, right? But given the current state of Islam in the media and its perception amongst the general public or even just the religion in general and how it's like sort of poorly viewed amongst my generation, it's, it's a tough pill for me to swallow. It's tough for me to go against the grain in that regard. You know what I mean? Now, maybe I'm not making much sense. I don't know. Um, but I think you guys get what I mean. I, I guess I wish that I was just a little bit more confident in having those sorts of conversations with uh, non-Muslims and opening their eyes and minds to the beauty and the wonders of Islam. But I'm just not quite there yet. Anyway, inshallah, one day soon. Okay, and to cap off today's episode, quality number five of a real man. They give advice to the believers while in a state of fear. Real men give advice to the believers while in a state of fear, okay? For for the sake of Allah alone. Now, the 28th surah of the Quran, surah al-Qasas, uh, Ayah number 20 <clears throat> says this, And a man came from the uttermost part of the city running. He said, O oh Moses, the chiefs take counsel against thee to slay thee, therefore escape. Lo, I am of those who give thee good advice. Now again, just to explain further, since the Shakespearean English can be a little dif- difficult to understand. So essentially, this man had the courage to take a different route, a shorter route than the, t- the one taken by those who were sent after Musa. Uh, peace and blessings be upon him. So effectively, he reached Musa first and managed to warn them of his captors. Now, my understanding is that if the assassins managed to catch him, then he would have been slaughtered. <clears throat> and so if this man wasn't quick to warn Prophet Musa, um, Musa, the, the, the assassins would have reached him, the Prophet first and would have killed him in like a horribly merciless way. Um, since they were driven only by their wrath, by their stupidity and disbelief. Now, again, I, I ask you guys to think about this. I mean, what would you have done if you were in his shoes? Do you think you would have the courage to warn the prophet and take the risk of being caught and killed? Speaking for myself, once again, I'd like to think that I'm relatively courageous, I'm relatively brave, but that's just next level. I mean, it's interesting to think about that, though, Like, because obviously in this day and age, you know, we're so far removed from any immediate threat or danger most of the time at least in the Western world, right? Like, we're, le- we're likely to never experience this kind of threat or danger in our lifetimes, alhamdulillah. So I find it somewhat difficult, um, I guess, again, to, to empathize or even just comprehend that level of courage in making a decision like that, since no decision in my lifetime will probably ever come close to such high stakes, if that makes sense. Um, but I guess, you know, practically speaking, this that last point, um, that real men give advice to the believers in a state of fear, it can sort of tie in with the point before regarding defending Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam. Like if you see a man or a woman being subjected to racism in public, right, like on a train or something, it's it's our duty as Muslims to speak up and to step in and, and defend this fellow Muslim. You know, obviously avoid using force if possible. <laughs> you don't want to end up fulfilling the stereotype of violent Muslims. Um, but you get what I mean, right? Like, I don't know, maybe that's an example of how this quality could play out practically in our lifetime. You know, so so yeah, dude. Those are those are the five qualities of real men, 
as dictated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And oddly enough, many of these qualities are applicable to women as well. So for any sisters listening, um, you know, I hope that you may have found some value from this uh, episode as well, inshallah. So yeah, guys, uh, I think that's it for today's episode. We're going to wrap it up there. My friends, thank you so much for tuning in again to another episode of Muslim in the Middle. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, a friendly no-pressure reminder to email or your stories into info at muslimandthemiddle.com. We'd love to hear from you and share your stories on the podcast. Also, please head over to Apple Podcasts or whatever the Android version is, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on all the major directories. Uh, wherever you can, leave a five-star rating and review, please do. It would mean the world to me. And uh, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Head over to the website, muslimandthemiddle.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter there as well. Uh, and click that donation button on the website. Remember, it's not a donation to the podcast itself. It doesn't go to me or anything. It goes to a GoFundMe.com page um, that I've linked with a Sydney-based Muslim charity called Brothers in Need. Uh, Remember, guys, just $1, $1 from each of you. I mean, if the listeners of this podcast start stacking up, that could go a really long way. Uh, So, yeah. And and one final thing, look, guys, before before I go, I do want to let you know that I will be taking a brief break over the next few weeks. Uh, obviously not because of Christmas or anything, (laughs) Um, uh, but I've I've sort of uh, been through a lot lately in my personal life and I kind of just want to take some time to unwind, uh, to recoup, um, and I'll be back with another episode uh, sometime in the new year. But um, until then, I want to wish you all a lovely new year. Inshallah, we all have a wonderful 2022 uh, with more blessings and prosperity um, than ever. So, but others, sisters, I'll see you all in episode 10. And uh, until then, Allah ma'akum and all the best. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and peace.